Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and I am joined on this Saturday night by Mark Orders and Simon Thomas. Uh, it's taken 293 days, but Wales have finally got their second win under Wayne Pivak. It's been quite the wait, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I went. I will note, uh, Ben, I went for an 18-point win for Wales. I hope you noticed in my <laughs> prediction, not quite like that. I said 28-10, but margin-wise is what I thought. And when I did that, when we were talking about it uh, last week, I said at the time it, it that kind of margin of victory would be like a neither here nor there. You know, if it had been a defeat or a very, very narrow win, you knew the flak would have flown hugely and the coach's position may have become untenable if it had been a 30 40 point win you'd have seen people saying this is the new beginning this is the way to move forward with this group it's kind of halfway isn't it it's between the two of them the the good thing is it stopped a six match losing run there were areas of clear improvement the scrum number one and that was a big big plus after what happened in the uh, i was in dublin um but there were still other areas which have to be seen as concerns. The line-out generally didn't work too badly, but there were three losses on the Welsh throw, which is still not the kind of stat you need. Um, another positive would be, I think there was only eight penalties, seven or eight penalties conceded by Wales, given what's gone so far in the autumn. That's clearly a step up. The breakdown, bit of a mixed bag, but Wales generally had a quite a good ruck clearance efficiency and I think it was something like 16 or 17 turnovers in all facets of the game. So those are pluses. Attack-wise, the two tries they did score, I thought were quite nice tries. Um, well, Reasonably well-constructed. But given the dominance in terms of territory and possession, two tries against the team of Georgia's standing, you'd look for more than that, albeit that they were very difficult conditions. I suppose that's, that's the big thing, isn't it, Mark, is they were very difficult conditions and obviously... Pivak made 13 changes and this back line was as inexperienced as you could possibly feel. I think of the 63 starts it boasted uh, amongst it. I think 58 of those went to Liam Williams and then the others were split pretty evenly between Nick Tompkins and uh, Johnny McNichol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, very... It's it's very difficult, as we were saying before the podcast, really, Ben. It's very difficult to know how to pitch it and, and how to call a match because, uh, A, the conditions were appalling and it would have been difficult for whichever Wales side you put on the pitch, really. Um, and it was and it was Georgia. And, uh, and, and so, you know, Scotland put 48 points on them a few weeks ago. England uh, put 40 on them and nilled them in the process. So, yeah, I mean, look, again, you've got to factor in how far back Wales were coming from. Um, 293 days without a win is a long time and it does nothing for your confidence and they did have a sort of uh, experimental side in there and if you're a glass half full man you know you look at the debut of or first start rather of Lewis Rees-Samet and be really encouraged by that uh, Shidi was quite good as well Scrum was uh, was very good 
And uh, overall, you know, um, it was, uh, I think it was a six out of 10 performance. Yeah, I think that's a good mark, mark, you know, mark, mark, <laughs> uh, six out of 10. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned that Scotland game when they put um, a big score on Georgia and also England put a big score on them as well, which is kind of the context of where, what Wales' performance was like. If you look at those two games, I think I'm right in saying that Georgia conceded six tries from line-out drives in those matches. Now, in the conditions you saw today, with Wales having dominance at the scrum, giving them a series of penalties to kick for position, you would think that that was really a day for the line-out drive try. At the moment, I'm not sure Wales how strong they've got in that armoury. They had one line-out drive, which didn't really make a huge headway in, in, the, in the first half. Um, when they went through about 20-odd phases, pick and go. So they don't quite have that brute force physicality to do that off-line-out drive, which does obviously limit it on, in days like this. Um, but there were, as you rightly say, individual pluses. The one I would pick out as well is Johnny, Johnny Williams. I think 12 has been an issue since Hadley Parks, obviously, had decided to move on, head to Japan. And on his first cap, first appearance in Wales, there was a very credible performance by Johnny Williams. I think it was 13 carries. He made good ground, good direct running, and it kind of capped it all by laying the you know the, the spade work for the second try. Just cut inside and straightened nicely. He does very basics very well. And I like a nice bit of variety to his game as well. There was the first two or three carries were you know hard straight line carries, but then off um, the next one. Just gave a little short, sympathetic pop off his shoulder to, to Nick Tompkins, which shows that he's, he's he's a footballer as well. So he's a big plus, and I think I think he has to come in at twelve, and that's that's one person who's really demanding selection. And I think Reece Samid probably is as well. You know, it was a bit of a slide in for his first try, for his try rather. But you just saw at about 50, 51 minutes that that one break he had from his own half left five white-shirted defenders clutching thin air. That's what he can do. Showed nice, neat inside scoring pass for the second try for Reese Webb. And I think he really, he really does need to, you know, deserve to start against England, you know. And people are clamoured for him to get a chance. He started. He's done well. I think he should stay on the side. It is the fact, obviously, as you mentioned, people have been clamouring for him to start. It's only now in, what, Pivak's seventh, eighth game that he's been handed a start is this he had a bit of a nervy first 25 minutes he dropped a high ball he looked he looked a little bit nervy settling into his first start is it is it maybe justification in the pivot waited until this match rather than throwing him in in the six nations should have played well, against scotland then should have do you think mark he should have played against scotland well he, it, is it, it, this, it, this scotland you, you, match you could yeah, I mean, you could argue that, but it, it is a nerve-wracking business, Ben, uh, playing international rugby and making your debut. He, he's a young lad of 19. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of assuming that, that Pivak wants Wales to win and he would be looking to field what he feels is his best side. And so they would have seen Lewis rees in training and they would have seen perhaps his development over the last year. And and yeah, we all know that wing play is not just about running in tries. Uh, uh, the wing position now is quite complicated and demanding. It it, it demands that you're, you're good in the air. It demands that you're good in defence and, and uh, your coverage of, uh, of the backfield. And, um, you know, he, but he did show a bit of confidence as well today. He was actually moving off his wing 
and and looking for work once or twice, which quite impressed me. So, yeah, look, I mean, he's a young lad. He's got his career in front of him. Uh, Pivak has given him a chance today. He's taken it, I think. Um, It's still going to be – it's not – 100% 100% call. Uh, a lot of people will think it is for next week because I still think that George North is a really good player and he offers Wills a lot. Um, if it were me making the call, I'd, I'd go with Zamet for this game, but it, it is not uh, a cut and dry decision. The other one on that, Mark, is we don't know what um, Wayne Pivak's thinking is in terms of fullback. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would, would, would view today's game as showing that. Liam Williams just looks just looks more at home in his test position at fullback rather than the wing. Albeit he's played a lot of test rugby at fourteen or eleven, and has played there for, for Saracens at European Cup final level. Um, but he just get his hands on the ball and more involved, more for fifteen. I think he made the most meters of anyone on the pitch today. Um, and I think you want your best players on the ball more. And he gets more more involved at fifteen. But Wales against England might look to go for the solidity of Lee Halfpenny, reliability, positional, tactical play of him at 15, which obviously then would probably mean Liam on the, on the wing with, with Josh Adams. So that's the other kind of unknown part of it. But I, mean, I think in terms of an attacking threat, threat, I think Liam Williams at 15 with Adams and Reese Samet, who's now got a bit more experience of Test Arena. That, that to me is uh, that's the way forward to go in the back three. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with you uh, on that one because if you watched England today, they were so difficult to break down. And Wales have got to come up with some kind of ideas and a game plan really to uh, to break down that England defence and 246-odd tackles today and uh, their defence was outstanding. And Wales could have to come up with variety and invention and... Uh, you know, Liam Williams, I think his best position, I think, uh, is full back. Uh, like you say, he's on the ball a bit more. He offers variety, just a little bit of X factor that Wales need. And um, so, yeah, I would uh, I'd go with you on that, Simon. I would uh, I'd feel Liam at full back, Adams and Reece Samet on the wings. We've agreed to start with this because the rest of the team comes up. Yeah, just just a couple Uh-oh. of things. I think with obviously Reece Samet starting against Scotland, I think he did have shin splints. So I think that was yeah the reason behind that off the top of my head. You think and he yet, would have started? Um, possibly. That's I the think, bit that's uncertain, I think, isn't it? I think the fact that they put him on the bench for France. Possibly. I think. I think. I think he would have started. Um, the thing with with Liam, I think we saw it tonight. Is I I think the fullback is his best position, but. Perhaps the the one thing he, he he doesn't do so well from fullback, and the one thing that might hinder him in a pivot team is he's not a great link player from the back. I think often tonight you saw him run the ball from deep, but he he never really he often dies with the ball more than maybe a half penny does. You you, you rely on a good clear out after a counter from him, don't you? Yeah. And, you, you know, you, when you think to when Pivak won the Pro 12 with the Scarlets, he was happy to have McNichol at fullback as that link player and Liam Williams on the wing as a finisher because that's how he sort of likes the balance of the back three. So it'll be interesting to see how Pivak viewed Liam's performance tonight in terms of what he did well running the ball back, but maybe what he didn't do so well in terms of link play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would... Yeah. Uh, that's a fair point, Ben, because there is a, an argument that he takes too much on himself. Um, but I rewind to the Grand Slam season... 
of 2019 and Liam was full back and he had a, a terrific season. Um, so game in defence and bold in attack and just uh, offering really pretty much the complete range of skills. And I think he was nominated as one of the players of the tournament that year. Uh, on the short list. So I think he's, uh, if he's given a run at full back, I think Liam will reward the coach uh, who gives him that run, as he did with Gatland on um, Wales's long unbeaten run in 2018-19. I think, you know, with we're not, Wales don't have the players that are going to, certainly perhaps up front, going to bludgeon their way through teams. You saw that today, with that period where they went through 20 pick and goes, and it was, it was hard work to make, make progress. So I think... Given that you need players elsewhere in the team who are going to get you going forward, making ground, um, and I think when you look at it, you've got in Liam Williams at fullback, Adams and Reece Samit uh, on the wings, and Johnny Williams. You have got a group of players there who can take you forward and across the game line in different ways. Um, so I, I personally, I think would like to see Wales got in that direction. So let's let's move on to the halfbacks then because. I think when you look at all three players who played and sort of across these positions today, if you look on social media, you're going to see a lot of very different opinions. Uh, me and Mark discussed it before the podcast, you know, Callum Sheedy. A lot of people think he went well on his first half for Wales and then a lot of people thought he offered nothing. Um, same goes for when Reese Webb came off the bench. Some people thought he, he, he sped things up. Others thought he was just, you know, full of aimless kicks. Kieran Hardy, obviously making his debut, I thought he went pretty well. Where where would you go then with with this selection for England next week? Because obviously scrum half is yet to be nailed down, and maybe there's an argument that fly half could do with being ch- changed in this pivot style. Yeah, it's uh, I, I would at scrum half I would probably go with Reese Webb. Um, I think Reese uh, I thought Wills did pick up the tempo a little bit after he came on. Was the blemish free? display. The problem for Reese this year, he's been inconsistent. I think it was season uh, 2014-15 and he scored a lot of tries for Wales and for the Ospreys and he was he was pretty much outstanding in every game. He finished as Welsh Rugby's player of the season. What, what we found this year, he seems to be blowing hot and cold. He's really good against Edinburgh for the Ospreys and not so good a week later. Um and, and he's done that on two or three occasions as well. And so he really needs to get that consistency in his game. He hasn't been helped by injury. Um, but I think that uh, Reese, uh, with all his experience uh, and ability to, I, I would play him against England. Um, outside half is, is, is a, that, that is a, a very, very difficult uh, position. Um, I think Pivot will value Dan Bigger's experience and uh, what he offers. He'll have been impressed by Sheedy, I think. Sheedy had a hand in both tries. I thought um, in the first half, he, he, he put Wills in the right areas. But again, quite a difficult, quite a different, difficult sort of performance to judge because it was only against Georgia and there was a bit more front football for him. As Bigger once told me when he, he was he was 19 years of age, you know, from a fly-offs perspective, front football is everything. If you're on the front foot, you you you, you can you can basically do what you want to do, and um, and so you know it, it was not an easy sort of 
it's not an easy comparison looking at uh, uh, Dan Bigger against Ireland and Sheedy against Georgia. Um, I mean, look, Ben, there is an argument that someone put to me tonight. Uh, the best attacking outside half in Wales, if you want to go that way, is Jared Evans. And he doesn't seem to feature in Pivok's plans. And um, people say his kicking's not good enough. But as far as his running game is concerned, he's, he's comfortably at this point the best running outside half or player with ball in hand uh, at 10 the wheels have got. And he's yeah, not even I mean, I've watched a lot. I see a lot of Jared. I've seen a lot of him over three or four years. Before that, his age group, he's the best. He is the best Wales fly half with ball in hand as a running threat. You know, every time the ball reaches him, you expect, you know, he's going to try something. He's a constant threat, either with the way the passing he'll produce or particularly with his kind of sidestep and his jinking, always looking to challenge the line. Always the issue has been the tactical control. Uh, I, I thought it was telling this week when Pivak was talking about Callum Sheedy, referencing how Pat Lan has described him like having a coach on the field. And I think that game management, while he wants to play a fluid game and an attack-minded game, Pivak, I think he likes control at 10 as well. So that being the case, I, I mean, you don't really see Jared coming into the squad, I guess, you know. Mm. It seems to be that um, it's going to come down to bigger Sheedy. Big call, big, big decision to make. The Callum did some nice things today. Nice floated pass for Lee. First try from Reese Samet. Good hands as well to Reese Samet again ahead of uh, the inside ball for Webb to score. Did some good things. Very difficult call. You know, um, bigger it been the starting uh, 10 for Pivak in every game up until today. So does he now make a seismic change and go Shidi at 10? Really tough call. I think he gets. I think feeling, Simon. Gut, I gut think gut it'll depend be, on what kind of game they play. Yeah, um, gut, and your gut feeling is bigger starts at ten, probably, Mark, isn't it? It is because it's England, and bigger's got all that experience, and I think, like I said earlier, I think Pivot will value that, and I think that if he's feeling bold and wants to roll the dice, then then perhaps he'll. Uh, He'll pick Sheedy, and uh, Sheedy is a good play. We we could see that today. You know, it, it it would be a massive call to pick him. I don't think it's out of the question, but I I would imagine that he would uh, he, he'd go for bigger. And on, on the scrum half, Matt, Mark, you know, um, I don't know if Ben agrees, but I mean, to me, the you know the scrum half has looked sharpest throughout the the, the autumn is Lloyd Williams. You know, Lloyd yeah, has often yeah. been the last few years categorised as, you know, someone who is very focused on the box kick. But the way he's played the Cardiff Blues this season, he's been a revitalised player. And in terms of getting the ball away from the contact area, away from the ruck area, and the zip and the tempo he's brought to Wales when he's been on, I think he's probably been arguably the best Welsh scrum half. So does he start now? I mean, I suppose the other thing there, I mean, Lloyd's 30-31 now, so what are we doing? What are we looking at? He's actually younger than Reese Webb, I think, isn't he? And you've got Gareth Davis, who's 30 now as well. They're all, you know, the top three are all in the 30s. Obviously, you've got Thomas Williams to come back in at some point. He happily returns for the Blues this weekend. But, I mean, right at the moment, picking on form, there's there's a case for Lloyd Williams. I mean, it's another, like a lot of this team, Mark, Ben, it, it, it's, it's hard to call, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think with with Lloyd, it's, it's almost 
It's quite similar to Ben Young's with Eddie Jones and, and why Eddie has persisted with a player who many in England sort of think is inferior to, you know, flashier scrum halves, Dan Robson, Ben Mitchell, uh, Ben Spencer, uh, Alex Mitchell, all these sort of flashier scrum halves. And yet Ben Young's is there with 100 caps because at the end of the day, he does what Eddie Jones wants him to do, which is get the ball away from the ruck quickly and kick cleanly. Yeah, you make a really good point there, Ben, because I think the way Pivak has always played, it's when there's a sniff, get it out and get it away from contact quickly, whether that be from a turnover or from a ruck clearance. It's get it away, especially against a team like England, where the last thing you want is to be snaffled up by the huge, you know, huge kind of forwards and physically, you know, sort of, dominant often players that England have got up front. You need to get it away from there quickly. And Lloyd can do that, you know. I mean, Hardy, I mean, Hardy at, at, at times, you know, I thought wasn't a bad, wasn't a bad debut for him. So there's this different, there's two different bits here, isn't there? There's what I think he should do or what we think he should do and what we think he will do. I mean, given that Reese Webb was his starting scrum half for the opening game in Paris, and given that Reese is now fit again, he probably would edge towards thinking he's going to pick him. But as I say, on form, there's an argument for being Lloyd. You go throughout this team. I can, When I sat down earlier, I was chatting to Mark about it, and I was kind of roughing out a team for, for the game next week in Clenetley against England. There's probably only about six of them. You'd be really confident of saying, yeah, he'll start. It's, it's a real period of flux. Often after this kind of because this is the equivalent of the November game against the Tier 2 side in the normal year, isn't it? After that kind of game where it's a squad game, maybe one, two players who play might be in the mix. Very different right at the moment because you look at that starting 15 today, 13 changes from last week, you could end up with more players from today's team starting against England than the team that started against Ireland. Feasibly so. I, I think it'll be, I think the two scrum halves in the squad next week will be Lloyd and Webb. I'm not sure which way round, probably Webb starting. Um, Lloyd on the bench. And going back quickly to, to Big, I think Bigger will get the nod, but it'll be interesting to see what they tell him to do with kicking because obviously in Biggest game at Lesley this autumn against Scotland. Typically, it was Lesley weather. The wind was going every which way. Wales and Bigger in particular just kept to the same old aerial game we've seen at Gatland for years, which is put the ball up in the air and try to compete. Didn't work against Scotland because the ball was getting blown so far off target. I think tonight, I know a few people on Twitter maybe weren't keen on his kick in. Sheedy kept his kicks fairly low and, and found the corners with diagonal kicks which I thought worked quite well at times. I think he, he got one right behind the, the Georgian winger at one point, which led to an attacking line out for Wales. I thought he kicked fairly well for the condition. So that's, that's a tick in his box. And, and if Bigger does keep the jersey uh, from this, you know, the, the main 15, that could be one thing they maybe look at having him do against England because the last thing you want to do is kick loose to England with bad aerial kicks. Well, Wales had 69% possession today, and part of that is a tap on the head to Sheedy because he did put them in quite good positions. Territory, I mean, is it? Territory? 69% territory, and I think it was 65% possession, you know. So, yeah, I mean, Sheedy takes a few plaudits for, for that. He is he is a good controlling 10, and, you know, he's going to get better the more time he spends on the international stage in terms of his test appearance. It's, it's a question of whether you take that bold 
you know, step now for this big game. I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Let's, let's move into the pack then, because I think there's a few positions, a few, few players today who it's pretty much guaranteed they start. And I think Wynne Jones, Samson Lee, Jake Ball have all shown that they've got to be starting next week against England. Um, Elliot D, you'd say, is the same, just given how Ryan Elias has, has gone over the autumn. But where it's quite tough to read is is the back row. It's impossible. That, that, that could go anyway. It's impossible. It is, I don't know if Mark agrees on this, but and we were talking about it earlier. The problem is we just don't know at this point who's going to be fit. That's the trouble. Yes, absolutely right. Um, I quite like the look of Sam Orbiton's pack when, when he uh, he came up with Win Jones, Elliot D, Samson Lee, Jake Ball, Alan Wynn. That's the front five that you just said, Ben. And then he had uh, Aaron Wainwright at six, and he had. Assuming Tipperick is ruled out, and we don't know for definite if that's the case, he then suggested that Navidi might uh, fit in at seven, but of course we don't know if he's going to be fit. And he had Falato at eight. It would be particularly harsh on young Shane Lewis-Hughes, who's been really good in his uh, in his two outings. But um, it's hard to see Wainwright not get in a place after today's effort. Uh, he, he had a barnstorming game. He did. You know, I think it was 18 carries, by far the most in the pitch, 50-plus metres, good footwork, dynamic. I've always liked the idea of him playing at eight. You know, he did so, I think, once in the World Cup, and it, I've seen him play a couple of times after the Dragons. I just like it because he has the ball. You know, he's not a kind of... He's not a legit Shane Lewis who's style six, is he? You know, he's a dynamic player whose game, you know, he's a great work rate, but, but I like to see him with ball in hand more. And I think him playing at eight is right. But the reason I think I probably disagree with you, Mark, is I don't see him playing at six under Pivak based on what Wayne Pivak said this past week, where he was talking about Moriarty and Wayne Wright. Dragons teammates and how he'd been speaking to Dean Ryan at the Dragons about the roles that he sees them playing. Now, what I took from it pretty clearly was that at this stage in his career, he sees Wainwright's best position as eight rather than the more dog role of six, physically, physica- the physical role of six. And he sees that, that more of a, of a role for Moriarty when fit. So I don't, listening to that, that he seems to have him in his mind as an eight now, I don't see him moving at six, especially as Shane Lewis Hughes has done so well there. Arguably, Wales' best player of the autumn. I, I, so I totally so, agree. So I with think that. Shane will start at six. And then the difficulty they have now at the moment is that the two front runners to start at seven, which would be Navidi and Tiprick. Well, you can't be sure of either of them being played. Tips took a nasty bang with a swinging arm to the head, which we'll probably talk about in a minute. So he's got to be a major doubt. And you know, he was prone, you know, motionless for a few seconds. And the VD hasn't played since August the 29th, I think it is. And he had a concussion issue himself, hasn't been in full contact training yet. So there's a good chance that both of those will be absent. So that that leaves a bit of an issue at seven. I guess in terms of a natural open side, you would probably go James Botham then at seven, who didn't do anything particularly wrong tonight. A decent, decent debut with Shane Lewis Hughes at six. And then just for me, it's a major toss-up between Wainwright and Faletau at eight, who both have played well in the last two outings for Wales. So. Yeah, Faletau was really good 
um, in defence, exceptional in defence against Ireland. And yeah, you're absolutely right about Aaron Wainwright. He, he had an excellent game. He was only up against Georgia. And um, I think we got to factor that in as well. But uh, I think he's got to. I think he's got to play after a display like that. And it's a question of finding a place for him. It's not out of the question. I don't know that um, he's played seven for the Dragons as well. As I don't know if he's a Test seven, mind. Um, I, I think the thing with me for Wainwright and Fountain, I'm, I'm wary that we're quite short on time with the podcast. To be honest, but if you think back to when Wainwright was at his best in the World Cup. Falatau wasn't playing. When Falatau came back into the team, Wainwright struggled really. And I think it's to do with the fact that they're very similar in what they do. And it's very hard to get the balance in the back or if they're both there. So it's either me, or for me. You're yeah, right. You're right. I think, I think it's either or with Wainwright and Falatau. Um, and which one would you go for? <sighs> I mean, on, on the basis of tonight, I'd probably go Wainwright, Falatau on the bench. Ooh, Shane Lewis Hughes big, at six. It's a big call, isn't it? And then you're looking at James Botham probably to start seven unless Navidi can get some training sessions in this week, which is from what Pivak said is, is possible, but you don't, don't sound confident of it happening. Um, but yeah, to Tiprick probably isn't going to feature because of concussion um, protocols. Let's touch on that briefly. As I say, time is quite short on the podcast, but what's the consensus on that? Should that have been a red card? Yes. Yeah, he looked it, didn't it? It was... Uh... A direct blow to the head, okay. Uh, Tipperick seemed to be falling at the time, but it, uh, it caught him flush in the head and uh, the, the, the guy should have been red-carded, I thought. It'd be interesting to see what the sighting commissioner says. The one thing that possibly, possibly might see him back up Luke Pierce's verdict is if he felt that Tipperick was dipping and dipping late to an extent that gave some degree of mitigation in terms of the action of the player. But it was a swinging arm towards the head area. Uh, let's be honest, if that happened in an average Pro 14 game, you'd expect a red card, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was another one off off the ball. Um, Lewis Rees-Sammer was cleared out late in a ruck. Shoulder to head, which I was yeah, surprised. I, I think that was just in the kind of upper shoulder area, rather, just below the neck, I thought. I'd like to see it again, but I thought it was aggressive, but possibly not the head neck. I was a little bit surprised. It just didn't get another look, to be honest. Yeah. But there you go. What, what um, did we think of James Botham's debut then? I thought he, I thought he was pretty quiet. But you know, it was his his first game in Test rugby. Um, I, I thought. Was, I mean, you know, he's only he's only had thirteen professional games of rugby before. Uh, less, less than half of those are starts. Yeah, he'll come on nicely, and uh, you know, it's a first step in him, and I'm sure he'll be back and be a great experience for money. He would have relished just being out there today, and uh, yeah, he didn't do him, didn't let anybody down. Yeah, I think I think he was possibly a little bit hindered. Of where he was sort of stationed in attack. Yeah, he's not a six straight. He was out wide, wasn't he, a lot of the time. I don't think that really helped him. He wanted to be more central where he was carrying. So maybe next week that's something they'll address and, and, and look at if he does get the nod. Um, I suppose the final point to touch on very briefly is it's England week, which is always fun, isn't it? Eddie Jones has already started all the nonsense with uh, talking about Parker Scarlett's not being a natural stadium. Um they look pretty menacing today. Yeah, I covered that game, the live blog on it. Um, first half in particular, very impressive. Dominant up front, um, scrum and line out. Uh, and then they had an absolute world-class, you have to say he is now a world-class finishing display 
from um, Johnny May. His first was a great leap off a cross kick from Farrell. And his second is going to be one of the tries of the season. You know, absolutely fantastic the way from a counter off a line-out steal, which goes back to the set piece. Uh, step one man between two others, kicked ahead twice, run the race to the ball. He's just a great finisher. 31 tries from for England, now second on the all-time list. Only Rory Unwood behind. Wales cannot afford to give him space next week. Yeah, I mean, the guys who really impressed me, I thought he told you was was just outstanding. Um, probably the best second row in the world, you, you'd think, really. Um, I also thought Underhill and Curry uh, were really, really good. Ray Prosser used to say that, um, you know, never mind about ball handlers, what I want, and man handlers. And those two guys, particularly Underhill, really fit the bill. And um, they're just really, really effective at what they do. And it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for Wales um, to be competitive in that game. Sure, they will be because, well, it's a home game. And uh, Wales-England tends to be competitive. Um, You know, there was a period when we we sort of witnessed Wales losing by 40 or 50 points on a regular basis. I don't think it'll come to that this week. I think it'll be up to Pivak to to sort of uh, pray to the rugby gods that a few of his, uh, I don't know, 40, 60 injury worries uh, are fit uh, and get a competitive side on the field. But yeah, England looked uh, good, quite menacing. And it's going to be a big challenge for sure. Indeed, it is. I think I think it's worth remembering up until last year when Gatland obviously beat England twice, once in the Six Nations, once in a warm warm up. Eddie Jones largely, well, always had the measure of Warren Gatland as a, as a Wales coach when he was England coach. You know, Wales didn't really get close to beating them. What interests 20, me, Ben, is um, 2015, what team, what, what team will Eddie Jones pick? Yep, he could send out a really sort of, you know, sort of. Downgrading message. If he, if he, imagine if he makes like ten changes for this game. <laughs> well, he only made three for the Georgia game last week. So if he makes ten for this one, <laughs> we are, we'll be we'll be facing imagine? relegation from the Six Nations if we're not careful. Oh goodness me! <laughs> well, I think that is it for today's podcast. Um, the losing streak is over. That's that's the nice way to end hey. the podcast. Uh, Two hundred ninety-three yeah, days, and it's it's finally over. So we'll be back again later in the week to react to the team to face England. But up until then, you can catch all the latest news on Wales Online. Hold up. 